You are listening to The Concierge on Monocle, coming up on today's programme. We hit the streets of Beirut to sample the new bars and restaurants, readying for the return of tourists. So there's really life and authenticity in the streets that you find here. On top of that, it's the only area in Beirut that still has this old souk kind of vibe. The president and CEO at Porter Airlines flies in to tell us how he plans to rewrite the rules of economy travel. Our travel experts answer your globe-trotting questions and bring you all the latest travel headlines. Plus, the brand-new Cap Corosso Hotel opens its doors exclusively to us on the spectacular island of Sumba in Indonesia. By travelling, we don't need to pretend that we are locals because we will never be. We need to respect the local way of life, but be also honest in the fact that it's our vacation and we also want to treat ourselves that is all to come on The Concierge in association with Allianz Partners. And welcome to Monocle's The Concierge with me, Robert Bound. Lovely to have you. First up, we're going to New York and we're joined by the travel journalist Sarah Khan. Sarah, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful to have your uh, your wit and wisdom on the program, Sarah. First things first, we're kind of very nosy about people's passports. We, we love to flick through them and inspect where they were last stamped. So what about for yourself? I'm sure you've already been well-travelled this year. Actually, surprisingly, I haven't. It's been a quiet start to the year for me. My last passport stamp was Australia over Christmas and New Year's. But I think the question here isn't where it's why because that passport stamp actually had a fun reason okay well uh, well <laughs> don't keep that secret from us for much longer so tell us about your trip to oz so basically in november i went to antarctica for the first time and when i came back i realized oh wait in 2022 i've been to six continents and i was content because i'd already been to australia before but my husband bless him was like why not make it seven and so we booked a flight to australia so i could hit all seven in 12 months Oh, that's perfect. That's You're the kind of guest we like here on The Concierge, Sarah. You're putting your profession before you, um, and that's, <laughs> that's the kind of vibe we want. Um, you're going to stay on the line. We're going to have some listeners' questions from The Concierge caddy. But let's begin proceedings by launching into The Concierge Service. OK, and that sound effect means that the desk is open for your questions. First up, from Decatur in the beautiful state of Georgia, Rachel Lee joins us on the line. Rachel, welcome to the programme. Lovely to have you. Hi, thanks. So tell us about Decatur in Georgia. Is it a sunny, beautiful day? Is it the kind of place that the concierge should book a trip to? Uh, I think so. It's sunny right now, especially in the springtime. It's better than most places in the U.S. at least, in the North. Um, and yeah, there's great little restaurants here and everything. So Nice one. It's part of Atlanta, honestly. Yeah. I like it. Well, you're giving us some beautiful vibes, some beautiful Georgia vibes. Well, give us, uh, give us your question then for our concierge service, Rachel. Yeah, so I am planning a week in the Basque Country with a few days in San Sebastian, and I've been to Bilbao already. But what else would you recommend in that region? Okay, nice. It's a good question. With a bit of specificity there, we all know about the Bill Bow factor. Well, we've got an excellent guest for you to answer that question. Monocle Spain correspondent himself, Liam Aldous, has just the answers you're looking for, and he joins us on the line now. Well, it's a very different city to Bilbao, San Sebastian. It's kind of a very well-heeled coastal gem. Everyone goes there to see one of the most beautiful beaches in Spain. It's also, fittingly, has the highest costing real estate in Spain as well. But most people tend to be trapped by the beauty of the La Concha Beach and the tapas bars all around, or I should say pincho bars all around. 
But what most people don't do is cross the Kursal Bridge to the other side of the city, which is really interesting because it's kind of like a surfer's neighborhood. There's a really good surfer's beach, one of the best surfer's beaches in a big city in Europe. And there's lots of less upmarket, less touristy bars and shops. And it's where you'll find the locals. So I would definitely recommend while she's taking her photos in the beauty of the La Concha Beach and got her feel, head over onto the other side of the bridge and head into the real part of the city where the real flavour is and the real spirit is. Beautiful. Well, thanks very much, Liam. And Rachel, what do you make of that? It sounds like you're visiting a cultural microclimate in all the best ways possible. Sounds great. I'm excited to go and thanks for the recommendations. I'm especially excited about the food. Yeah, it's going to be great. You're going to have a wonderful time. Nice to hear the scratching of pen on paper as you write down Liam Aldous's recommendations. Thanks very much to Rachel on the line from Decatur in Georgia. And thank you also to Liam on the line from Spain. And we're going to stay in Spain. And we have June from Barcelona who sent in this. Dear Monocle Concierge, could you please recommend some restaurants and music venues in Miami, but only in the neighborhoods that nobody goes to? So not Miami Beach, Design District, Wynwood, Midtown, Brickell, Coconut Grove or Coral Gables. Thanks so much. And on the line from Toronto, and he's basically heading due south with his recommendations, is Tomas Lewis. Tomas, lovely to have you on the programme. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Rob. Lovely to be here. Um, I always love your voice. It sounds great on this show, coming through my headphones. So we had June in Barcelona. She's asking about restaurants, music venues in Miami, but not in Miami Beach, Wynwood, etc. All the well-worn places. So, Thomas, set our Miami hearts aflutter with your deep knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was quite a task, actually. June scratched off basically every place in Miami I I usually go to. (laughs) And I think, you know, the further sort of a field you go from those spots, and I think it's fair enough there's so much of Miami to see that isn't sort of on those well-worn paths Rob like you said I'll start with a recommendation that I had when I went last November for my birthday actually and we had gone to the Miami Botanical Gardens bit of a tourist spot but very sweet and always very lovely yeah yeah very nice and we went to the gift shop and I feel like you know getting tips for local things are quite good from the people who usually work at these places and the very kind woman who was there asked us what we were doing where we were from and we told her and we asked her the same and she said well I'm going to my favorite restaurant in Miami this evening and we said well where's that and she said it's the Silver Lake Bistro in North Beach Miami and we then followed her there basically not in too, too creepy a way but we went there the following <laughs> night and um, it's a very charming it's quite busy inside lots of stuff going on but the food is really fantastic it was opened in 2019 and it's sort of an elevated kind of California diner kind of bistro kind of idea and the menu changes quite a lot we had the gnocchi mac and cheese if I recall which is absolutely delicious could have eaten sort of bucket loads of that, frankly. (laughs) And they had a nice selection of wines and the staff were very attentive. And I think what's nice about going to a neighbourhood restaurant, Rob, is that, you know, we obviously you can get chatting to the sort of people who live nearby who come here to those restaurants all the time. So we met this pretty sort of colourful set of characters who are sitting next to us. And it was a really lovely evening. So that's where I'd start. Beautiful. That's some Miami vibes right there, Thomas. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) And where are you, you, I feel like you're, you're knocking it out of the park here with June from Barcelona's question. So do carry on. 
I don't want to peek too soon. Uh, but then I'd say elsewhere, we'll stay in the sort of North Beach area, I'd say. And there's a really sweet little place that's relatively new. It opened in, in the summer of 2021. It's called Paradise Books and Bread. And it sort of does what it says on the tin, Rob. It sells books and it sells bread. And there's a lovely little bottle shop as well. But it's also a good spot for lunch and some nice sort of treats in the evening. Beautiful. Thomas, I feel like we've been walking down Collins Avenue with you, arm in arm after a merry night at Art Bowls Miami Beach. Thank you very much indeed for your recommendations. Hopefully that has satisfied all of June from Barcelona's Miami curiosities. That was Thomas Lewis live from Toronto. Thank you very much. And if you, dear listeners, have a question for the concierge, then do write to us. Send us your questions to concierge at monocle.com. Next up, it's the lowdown, our spotlight on a destination that should definitely be on your itinerary. And joining me now in the studio is Marcus Hippie, executive producer and presenter here at Monocle. Uh, Marcus, lovely to have you on the programme. Lovely to be in the programme. Yeah, well, you've just had a... Well, actually, tell us, where was the last place you had your passport stamped, Marcus Hippie? Well, actually, the last place where I had my passport stamped was at Beirut Airport. I went to Beirut for a work trip a couple of weeks ago, and what a trip it was. It was my first time in Lebanon, and I was extremely impressed by everything I saw over there. Oh, it's such a, one of my favourite Monocle trips for a book trip we did a few years back was was in Beirut. Just the best dancing, the best food, the most friendly people. It's great. So we've booked our tickets. Where are we going on our sunny Beirut weekend? What's, what, what else are we well, factoring well, in? Well, obviously, when you are in Beirut, you have to leave the city as well and go and enjoy the countryside. So my top recommendations would be to go and see some of the vineyards around the city. Not too far away. You can get a driver who will take you there and you get to sip some wines. Excellent Lebanese wines, by the way. And just enjoy the sunshine and the beautiful countryside. Lebanon is such a beautiful country. And talking about my drink recommendations, by the way, because there is something rather special I found. So when you go to Beirut as a tourist, and I'm quite sure you haven't been to this area before either, Boujamud, it's a bit east from the city centre. It's about five, ten minutes on a car. And it's an area that is gradually reinventing itself and new things are popping up over there. So it's been traditionally known as a place for great street food. You get a lot of Armenian food over there. But now there's also one of my favourite bus in the city which is called Union Marks. It's in an old factory that's been disused for who knows how many years. And nowadays, in one corner, you can find this beautiful cocktail bar playing beautiful music. And what's also special about this place is that it has a beautiful garden where you can go for your drink. And supposedly, this is something quite rare in Beirut. The way the city has been built, you don't find that large gardens Mm -hmm. normally. So it's a great place for a summer as well, for a summer evening, if you want to go somewhere nice for a drink. A bit difficult to find, but I'm sure all taxi drivers know by now where it is. And talking about the area of Bush Hamoud, by the way, it's owned by this gentleman called Mark Hadife. And his son, by coincidence, opened a cinema just a few months ago around the corner from Union Marks. And I spoke to Carl about what's been happening in the area and why people should visit it. The area is called Bush Hamoud. It's an area that we love and the family. So as a kid, my parents used, always used to get us here on Sundays. So instead of going to fancy barbecues, restaurants, malls and all these things, we used to come here because there's a very heavy sense of community and like a livelihood. So there's really life and authenticity in the streets that you find here. So it's super interesting. And on top of that, it's the only area in Beirut that still has this old souk kind of vibe. 
where you can go and see shops from like spices shop, a shop of like underwear facing a shop that sells clothes, another one that sells games. So it's a very rich neighborhood basically and very lively and really authentic. My parents just opened Union Marks a couple of years ago. It was an old abandoned factory that my father purchased. They had a big vision for the space, but because of the inflation, the crisis, revolution, everything that happened basically, uh, this vision couldn't be like executed and Union Marks was only the tester for what was to come. And turned out that Union Marks just stayed, it became an institution from one day to the next. People just come here and keep on coming here and luckily and I mean, I'm super happy about it and it will sound a bit pretentious but it became like one of the people's favorite place in Beirut. So that's what they say, it's not... Uh... <laughs> this crisis gave a sense of humbleness and a sense of basically it grounded people back and really made them believe in what they can be as in who they are and as individuals and not as who people would think they are in a way. So you really start seeing new stuff that are opening up, but new, like really more authentic and more heartfelt kind of initiatives, which is really heartwarming. You have a huge grassroots community that's starting to grow. So people that are going back to nature stuff like natural remedies, a lot of herbalism, a lot of foraging and a lot of knowledge about plants, about environment, about the ecosystem and about ecology in a way. Second of all, we were forced to think more in ecological terms point of view. So half of the country is running on solar now. And it's not because we want to break carbon emissions by 2030. It's because we don't have no choice. We don't have electricity. You know, so the survival response that we had to this crisis was actually something really positive on the long term. The proximity is not to be missed. So basically in an area that's under 11,000 square kilometers, you have so many variety of landscape, of nature, that you cannot find anywhere else in the world, you know. So you can pass from desertic areas, from very fertile lands, to snow-covered mountains, to like reserves and like waterfalls and regions with like cedars only covered in cedar trees and to the beach and all of this in like under 30 minutes drive you know which is kind of mind-blowing if you think about it second of all i really think that one of the nice thing is like the lebanese hospitality so the moment you go out to a bar and your people see that you're a foreigner you're set your, 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 your stay here is set. Everyone will approach you, they will get you home, they will invite you out to dinner, they will invite you to bars, they will make dinner for you, they will invite you to sleep over, they will take care of you, take you to the mountains, take you to the beach, do all sorts of things here because you become a touristic attraction in their own country for them, you know? And apart from that, I would say walk around and just discover the small initiatives that are starting to emerge from here. You are listening to The Concierge on Monocle and now to the news. And we go back to New York and Sarah Khan is still on the line. Sarah, we're going to start. Your first news story is a plethora of new hotel launches in the Gulf region. So tell us a little bit about this one. Who's investing? I think it's just the most fascinating time right now for the hotel industry is probably what's happening in the Middle East. And it's all for very different reasons. I think Dubai has always been associated with these over-the-top luxury hotels. 
Qatar has gotten in the race with the buildup to the World Cup, with all the new properties they were opening to accommodate that surge. And then Saudi, I think, is just probably one of the most talked about things in, in travel right now with the amount that they're investing in hotel infrastructure across the kingdom. I was in Alula, which is one of the earlier destinations that's been promoted there, and their hotels are set amid these beautiful desert expanses, like seamlessly integrated into the rocky terrain. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that with some of the renderings coming out of the Red Sea project and what's happening in Sindala. So they're really doing a lot of interesting things in cutting edge design. And again, a lot of these are still concepts, so I'm really curious to see how it plays out in the coming years. Okay, thanks, Sarah. Well, cranes continue to litter the skyline of the Gulf. We're going now to your adopted hometown, Sarah. The, I mean, is nothing sacred? The I Heart NY logo, beloved piece of work from Milton Glaser that was launched back in 1977, is being changed to We Love NYC. Sarah Khan, do you heart this news? No, not at all. When I first saw it in the wild the other day, earlier this week, it actually made me cringe. Like I physically cringed <laughs> when I saw it. It's it's just really depressing to see this because I think, you know, it's this rare pre-emoji moment that's still so relevant today and, and just so iconic. And it's been ripped off around the world. And now this looks like a mediocre ripoff of what they had originally done. And I just, I don't like the font. I don't like the idea. And, you know, when you say I heart NY, it still has this fun rolling off the tongue kind of cadence, whereas We Heart NYC just feels clunky. And I'm sure some of it is we're just really attached to this 50 years down the line and change. I'm sure people hated the original too, but I do think this was not something that they needed to mess with at all. It's a bit like having the Statue of Liberty holding up a mobile phone instead of the Torch of Liberty, I suppose. Sarah Khan, as ever, on the line from New York, thank you very much for your wisdom here on The Concierge. Just like the Monocle team, Allianz Partners is committed to helping you build exceptional experiences. Allianz Partners' reputation for excellence and the continuous drive to innovate means the business is uniquely equipped to accompany its partners and customers with their ever-changing travel needs. So get out there and visit the places, enjoy the experiences, and meet the people changing the world of hospitality for the better. Allianz Partners. Get the most out of your experience with peace of mind. Now we move on to The Interrogator, the moment in the programme where we speak to renowned global talent from the travel and aviation worlds. And Michael Deleuze, President and CEO of Porter Airlines, speaks to Monocle about how his shiny new fleet of fuel-efficient aircraft is poised to change Canadian aviation and rewrite the rules of economy travel. Porter has been operating for 16 years, primarily a regional focused operation out of Billy Bishop in Eastern Canada, Northeast United States. And Porter has built its business on really an elevated level of service, Porter's flying refined product. And that's one that really differentiated Porter in the marketplace from our competitors for the last 16 years. Porter has an elevated level of onboard service with complimentary beer and wine served in real glassware, premium snacks, a level of attention to detail that does not and has not existed for quite some time in the air travel space. Porter recognized that customer satisfaction with the existing product was extremely high, higher than any other airline in North America. We 
consistently achieve an 85% customer satisfaction level, which is leaps and bounds above our competitors as well. Net promoter score, the indicator of satisfaction by customers in the 55 range, which is more akin to a, a brand such as Apple. We'll be the first airline in Canada to also offer complimentary, free, fast streaming Wi-Fi to all of our passengers, regardless of air type. And that is a first in Canada. And that is through a partnership with Viasat, where they have high-speed onboard internet you could offer customers. It really will be as if you're in your living room surfing the web with full streaming capability. And on further flights, we're offering a selection of fresh, healthy, eco-packaged meals that really will set us apart from what is available today in the marketplace. And all of this is around an approach to elevate economy or travel for all customers and really bring enjoyment back to economy or travel, which has been long void from this industry for the last many decades as airlines have consistently chipped away at what they offer passengers and, and create this sort of two-tier environment where if you're flying a business class, super elite or a premium passenger, you have a great experience, but economy you know, is treated differently. The Porter experience will really elevate economy travel for everyone. Over the last 20 years, there's been a heavy drive within the North American airline space to reduce costs at all costs. That really did impact significantly the economy traveler. There's a bifurcation of travel experience for premium travelers versus everyone else. But 90% of travelers travel in economy, not business class. And it is a segment of the market that is widely dissatisfied with the existing products available in economy or travel. And we think that creates the opportunity to disrupt the entire economy segment of air travel, which is by far the largest portion of air travel in Canada and North America. The Porter product, which will run across North America, we will be the only airline in North America to not have middle seats on our entire fleet of aircraft. The 195E2 is an aircraft that is a two by two configuration throughout. And so Porter will have no middle seats and that provides more space and comfort and really uh, complements our elevated experience. And that really is made possible by the U195E2 and its two by two layout. That was Michael Deleuze, President and CEO at Porter Airlines. More on that in the latest issue of Monocle, available now, of course. And for a little bit more on that story, let's check in with Gabriel Lee, Monocle's transport correspondent, who is on the line from Stockholm. Gabriel, nice to have you on the programme. And first of all, are we seeing the face of economy travel changing? I think we're seeing it in some instances, but it remains to be seen whether this notion of sort of making economy nice and asking people to pay a little bit more for it really works in the long term and across a wide swath of the traveling public, if you know what I mean. It's proven to be difficult in the past. If anyone's going to try and do it, Porter is a great candidate. You know, people love what Porter offers. People have shown that they want to fly Porter, but expanding out into the bigger airports like Toronto Pearson and trying to do that out of there, competing against a lot of different airlines, that's maybe another story. So it will be one to watch for sure. And as a very frequent flyer yourself, what are the little things that can be done better in this class of travel? You know, I think not nickel and diming passengers is a big thing. That's a big point of 
differentiation these days because most airlines, including many full-service airlines, and if you look at Europe, it's really bad, where they've basically all decided to compete on these minor fees with the likes of Ryanair. They couldn't beat them on offering a premium service, so now they charge you for everything from a bottle of water to Wi-Fi to everything else. You get on something like what, what they're doing on Porter, where they're offering free Wi-Fi to everyone and sort of nice offerings that either don't cost anything or cost a reasonable amount. That's the sort of thing I think that can really set apart economy, aside from, of course, having that extra space, having no middle seats like you have on the E2. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really solid offering what they're trying to do here. Nice. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, good luck to Porter Airlines as they expand. And as ever, Gabriel Lee on the line from Stockholm. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Up next on the concierge, we're off to Indonesia. Finally, it's the in crowd where the concierge unpacks a hotel's story and takes the listener on a tour of the latest wonderful rooms the world has to offer. This week, French adventurer and hotelier Yves Ivara, owner of Cap Caroso Hotel on the island of Sumba in Indonesia, throws the doors open on that brand new resort exclusively to Monocle to show us what's inside. <laughs> Caroso is, uh, for me, is more than a resort. It's really brainchild with my husband. We started the adventure six years ago when we first came to Sumba. And our vision for this place was to drive a sustainable development of this island, but also to introduce a new kind of hospitality where the traveler doesn't need to choose between being mindful and being sustainable in some way and also have some more hedonistic pleasures. So Cap Carosso is basically the mix of a really wild and authentic destination and such nice lifestyle experiences as refined gastronomy, music, contemporary art. When we started the resort, we just tried to conceptualize it to ourselves, you know, to guide ourselves through this long journey. We said it's culture, sustainability and community. The community of like-minded travelers that we want to build in Cap Carosso. It is thought that if you are an affluent traveler, you will just want to look for privacy and be on your own and not mix with others. And I think personally that is completely false. Yes, it is the case for some people, but it's mostly not even different people, it's different moments. Of course, you look for some, some sort of relaxation and silence, and there's an enormous playground for that in Sumba. 10 kilometers off the beach, to the left or to the right from us, there is absolutely no one, except maybe some local fishermen. But at the same time, at some other moments of the day, for example, at a dinner, it's pretty boring to dine just with your loved one every single day, every single evening for 10 days, even if you're on a honeymoon. So we wanted to create a place that inspires the conversation. You don't want to talk about your usual life. You want to talk about, you know, the landscape. You want to talk about the tribes. You want to talk about the farm. You want to talk about the future of travel. And this is why I think it would be sad for people to just hold all those thoughts to themselves and not share them and not create some ideas that can maybe one day change the world. We really believe when traveling, we don't need to try to be as a local or pretend that we are locals because we will never be. We need to be open to understand what we can learn, to respect the local way of life, but be also honest in the fact that 
it's our vocation and we also want to treat ourselves in a way which is relevant to us. So during the day you can explore villages, you can take our electric car or a bike and drive yourself to a village and just encounter local people and see the, mon um, the megalithic burials, see wild horses or buffaloes. And then in the evening you can come have an amazing meal by one of our mission chefs or our executive chef, Anton Levacon, and um, have a cocktail uh, by Nico de Soto, you know, this very famous mixologist. Uh, Nico de Soto traveled with our chef across the island to source and find different ingredients that could really create a local, interesting, unexpected twist in the cocktails. They even integrated the betel nut that uh, local people chew in uh, Southeast Asia. It's a very interesting mix between kind of a Parisian or london type of cocktails. And then at the same time, every time you will find something really local. When we began to really look into what the menus will look like and how we will make our passion for gastronomy and our ambition to create a real gastronomical heaven, we just asked ourselves, you know, where will it all come from? Because obviously most of the things are not available in Sumba and just very simple things like salads, you cannot buy them on, on the market because they don't grow these things locally. So it was either we fly all those things from, from Bali or other islands uh, every day, which sounded like a horrible idea or we grow them ourselves. So this is when we started our farm, a crossing between our love for gastronomy, our wish to be more sustainable and my personal fight against the food waste because food waste from our restaurants will go to our animals on the farm who will produce natural fertilizer. So we, we don't produce meat on the farm but we use animals for the fertilizer. Everywhere in the resort you hear the waves. You always have this rhythm of the waves. We developed a perfume called La Pluie de Carrosso. So actually it's the rain in Carrosso. So this scent is going to be in the lobby, it's going to be in every room. And um, the idea is that the Pluie de Carrosso actually lives its own life uh, after, after a while and that we also sell it outside of the resort because this perfume is actually really, really beautiful. Coming to Sumba was eye-opening in a way that we could witness a place where authentic culture is still alive without having kind of a gimmicky cultural experience, you know, without having this uh, fancy costume dinners in a hotel and so on, uh, but really just witness a life which follows its own rhythm, which uh, follows its own traditions, rituals, and which is alive. And that is it for today's programme. Thanks to our panel, Sarah Khan and Marcus Hippie. Our producer was Tom Webb. Our researcher was Monica Lillis. And our studio manager, David Stevens. Join us next time when we'll be on the streets of Istanbul in the new bars and restaurants readying for the return of tourism. I've been Robert Bounds. Thank you very much for tuning in. And, of course, happy travels.